0: To Salam Doll, the podcast where Muslim women don't fit the stereotypes, we break them. I'm your host, Zara Pedersen. You can find this episode and the full archive of all the episodes on ZahraPedersen.com. Welcome to the show. Salam Doll, it's your girl, Zara here. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. First of all, before we do anything else, Aid Mubarak. Yay! I'm sitting here clapping when I'm on on my own recording this. Who cares? I might look silly to the outside world. It doesn't matter as long as it makes sense to you who's listening. Eid Mubarak! So that went by. This Ramadan went by both quickly and slowly all at once. What went quick was the month itself. What went slow was every. Morning, when you had to wake up for suhoor and starting to feel that fatigue, that tiredness from having disrupted sleep for a month. It is always one of those things, you know. I always go into Ramadan feeling kind of anxious about the whole process especially in the last few years with Ramadan falling in the summer months and living in a a Scandinavian country or even in England um, that is quite far up north with the days being quite long I've always been very very sort of anxious about how I was going to be able to manage it And I'm, you know, alhamdulillah, always come out on the other side like, okay, it wasn't as bad as all that. I mean, it wasn't the easiest thing, but I mean, you know, it's not like I was enjoying it, but, you know, it can definitely be done. So every year when I finish or when we finish with Ramadan and I've come through on the other side like everybody else, I'm always like, Okay, it wasn't all that bad. But I I promise you, I'll go into next year again, feeling the same hesitations and anxiety around Ramadan and it'll be fine. I'll do it as everybody else is doing it and I'll get through it. Alhamdulillah, this year was the first time that I had fasted with my husband. And we did a whole thing around waking up for Suhoor in the middle of the night. And it was actually really, really nice. And I do think it made it a whole lot easier this year as well for me because of that. So a great big thank you to my husband. I absolutely adore and appreciate him for that. So I just wanted to basically wish you all a very, very happy Eid. I hope you enjoyed yourselves. Um, I understand that some people have delayed celebrations for their Eid uh, because maybe because of corona or people not being able to get together or whatever so whether you've celebrated already or you haven't and you're gonna or whether you're not gonna or something completely different i just want to say happy happy eid i hope you've had an amazing time i hope you enjoyed ramadan i hope you really got the most out of it that you remember to give to charity that you remember to really think of people in your prayers and i Above anything else, girl, listen, I hope you prayed for something good for yourself. You know, it's very honorable to pray for everybody else, but you know what? That doesn't impress God necessarily. Sometimes it impresses God that you ask him specifically for the things that you need. So please don't forget to do that for yourself. Now, with all of that being said, it is my absolute pleasure to be able to introduce to you guys today's guest. Today I am speaking to Dr. Aliya Amir Dr. Alia is a Sweden-based linguist and social interaction researcher, currently working as a senior lecturer in Mid-Sweden University. She's the author of the book, Doing Language Policy, and she's created the taxonomy of language policing in second language interactions. She is a co-founder of Muslim Academics Europe, which we'll talk a little bit more about in this episode. So I am super excited to welcome today's guest and i can't wait for you guys to hear all the amazing things that dr alia is working on at the moment so without further ado here she is dr alia Assalamualaikum. alaikum how are you
1: alaikum i'm good alhamdulillah super good actually ramadan mubarak and ramadan kareem to you yes actually super 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 good
0: that's amazing that's so good to hear and yes ramadan mubarak to you as well um to the listeners we're recording in the first week uh, this episode we're recording it in the first week of ramadan um so it's it's always interesting to to you know um record something when you're like fasting and like not eating and you're a little bit thirsty and a little bit hungry and your mind's a little foggy but you know what we're doing the best we can this is not our first Ramadan rodeo right
1: <laughs> yeah it's not definitely not my first Ramadan rodeo uh, but with all those challenges that you mentioned in Ramadan I think our hearts still sing our hearts still dance even though the body is like lethargic or tired it's the it's the it's something about ramadan
0: yeah absolutely it's the you know when our body's not using all the energy on eating and digesting food it gives the soul more time and the heart more time to sort of like come to the forefront so we are more it's easier to become spiritual is it is what it is Alhamdulillah.
1: people um, do say why don't we do this um and all year long but that's what Ramadan is for the camp right yeah to get yeah. you in the mood and it just gets you in the mood
0: it really does it's like a like a motivation to be you know up, up level your religiosity I absolutely I couldn't agree more I hate Ramadan in like well not hate but you know I hate the feeling of like being hungry and stuff I never look oh. to Ramadan but once I'm in and I start fasting it's like okay I, I can do this it's okay <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm completely with you on that. The hunger, <laughs> the thirst, the migraines and the mood. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah the hang to off. Yeah. don't talk to me when I'm in that mood but
0: okay I like the the last few hours of the day are really difficult but let's not let's not waste too much time talking about Ramadan Uh, I actually think perhaps I think when this episode is coming out uh we're probably on the other side of Ramadan I'm not certain we'll see (laughs) we'll see or at least towards the end of it if not like out of Ramadan but Dr Halia um I have given the listeners a small introduction of who you are but I would love for them to hear a little bit about you and what you do in your own words. So please go ahead.
1: Okay, first of all, thank you very much for this opportunity. And um, I'm a conversation analyst, a linguist. Uh, I study language, or things related to language, language use, language policy. Uh, and my specialization is in language policy and actually it's an interdisciplinary project that I did with with my PhD. I did my uh, study in a Swedish school with uh, conversation analysis of classroom speech uh, in English classes in the Swedish context so it was pretty bilingual context and my teaching mainly is within the subject of English language so it could be academic English, um, English grammar, English pronunciation, Uh, and so on and so forth. Um, And I run a couple of projects in my spare time, in my evenings, on my weekends as well. Uh, One of them is called Muslim Scientists Europe and the other one is called actually Swedish Pakistanis and both are run together with other colleagues. Uh, Swedish Pakistanis is run uh, together with a a colleague called Fazila Silvery and Muslim Scientists is run with Adnan and Rames. So that's a little bit about me and I'm based in Stockholm.
0: Yeah, no, it's so exciting. I mean, you, you clearly sound very, very busy and I can definitely appreciate the side hustles. Um, But I want to, I, I'm super curious. First of all, um, why English?
1: Why English? Yes. Uh, Actually I I do get that question a lot. Um, So So I do ask, why not English? (laughs) (laughs) So the thing is, um, jokes apart, English is a global language. It's a language uh, which originally started with a small island, right, England. And then it spread all around the world. And now many, many, many countries actually own it Mm -hmm. through colonization, globalization, et cetera, et cetera. I have a master's degree in English language. I did study a little bit of Persian, um, Urdu, um, but Urdu was actually, uh, I studied up until high school only, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I did have a love for English literature and that's where I wanted to actually go, but I wasn't really sure if I wanted to go to literary studies or linguistics, but English, uh, there was absolutely nothing in my mind besides English when I started uh, my bachelor's degree uh, but before that actually I was a student of pre-engineering. Pre? I want pre-engineering so I wanted to be an engineer.
0: Oh right yeah okay.
1: A computer engineer and um, during the 90s a computer was really a thing from Mars or something yeah. like NASA <laughs> a very futuristic thing. Uh, But when I shifted and changed, I mean, I love both math and English language. Um, So I chose English uh, during my bachelor's and then one thing led to another. Um, So here I am.
0: Yeah, no, that's so interesting as well. And as you said, you know, like it really is you know, such a global language where everybody speaks English and then at the same time nobody speaks English because, you know, there's so many different dialects to it and, and you know, everybody's so confused. Is it you, your, your, your? <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> All those. But, things. you know, it's the only language which is taught at the compulsory school level in hundreds of countries. Mm. It's a core subject, like in Denmark, Sweden, UAE, uh, Asia, there is no country where it's I mean there are of course countries where it's not taught as a core subject but the countries where it's a core subject children can't do without Shakespeare or yeah, <laughs> so words oh, words, yeah. You...
0: and also the majority of movies and music is yes. in English you know like most of pop culture if it's not in English it's not really going to survive much well you know that's a gross uh, you know, a generalization, and I get that. But you know, in, in in sort of like the general practices, if you're not if you're not sort of doing stuff in English, you're not going to do it. You know, in in, in like a global scale, it's a wider
1: audience. Yeah, so yeah. exactly. And, and, and coming from a, a Pakistani background, uh, English is actually the official language of Pakistan.
0: Oh, is it? I didn't know it's that.
1: A, yeah, it still is. Uh, I mean, the constitution says that. Uh, and it's used in executive, judiciary, armed forces, and the universities like higher education is only taught through the medium of English language.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, and that's what my first study was about, studying English language in the, uh, in the post-colonial Pakistan and British India. Yeah. Uh, so I compared the two, um, but here we are with English, love yes, it already. no
0: it's, it's just really really exciting but obviously yeah we we have another sort of like a direction I was just very very curious about that and I'm sure that there were other people who are very you know it's, it's always nice to get that information you know but what we're actually here to talk about today is a little bit different because it's actually about your side project uh, uh Muslim scientists in Europe um because you set up this program and when you told me about it, I was absolutely fascinated by it because, I, well, you know, what? I'm going to let you tell the story because you, you, it's, so, it's so interesting.
1: Thank you. Uh, I'm really, really very, very passionate about it. And so are my two other co-founders, my friends, Ramis and Adna. Uh, but I'll do the talking about how I see it uh, as, as I'm not really representing MSC, but I'm going to talk about MSC, or Muslim Scientists Europe. Uh, We started this project last year in January, the month of my birth, uh, coincidentally. And we started uh, by um, interviewing Muslim scientists based in the European continent, in Europe. Uh, The idea was born uh, kind of like uh, two years ago when I uh, started asking, um, when I moved to actually Stockholm from a smaller city, Linköping, and I, was, I started asking about, are there other people who are from Muslim background? Um, I didn't find many um, Muslim women researchers uh, in the university when I started working at Stockholm University. Mm. Uh, I didn't find many who were visibly Muslim. I mean, there must have been Muslim or Muslim heritage uh, scientists. Um, it, I was just curious because in a small city, you actually get to know everyone, but Stockholm is big and huge. And um, I had uh, done my PhD, and it was about four or five years um, ago that I had done my PhD. And I was looking for role models um, or people who were in a similar path like me, who have their PhD and trying to make their way in academia a brown women, um, visibly Muslim women, or an, if, if not wearing a hijab, but um, re- relating to the Muslim faith in some ways. So I was kind of curious, are there people similar to this background? Uh, so we um, started looking, uh, Googling, uh, started uh, looking for people in different universities. We did kind of find a few and we started a uh, dinner club in Stockholm. Uh, it's a small dinner club, so we meet, uh, it's an informal setup. Um, and even within that informal uh, setup of meeting and being able to see people similar to you, uh, you don't necessarily have to be a brown woman, Muslim brown woman. It could be, a, you know, from other ethnicities, uh, uh, a Swedish uh, white woman, for instance, or man. So we did find a couple of other people and it was kind of reassuring to see that there were people in so many different backgrounds, mm. uh, uh, and meeting them and just informally listening to their stories, their uh, let's say about their books, their publications, the things they had been have been doing, uh, it really was like a motivational booster. Like somebody said, I uh, sent in this application for this grant, and I went home and put that application up, and I got mm. the grant as well. Wow. Uh, So, you know, like networking, uh, I'm not saying we, I I or the others only meet Muslim scientists, of course, we meet so many uh, people from different backgrounds, like I'm also a member of uh, women scientists in Sweden, Mm. or Scandinavian scientists, or uh, European linguists, and South Asian linguists, this and that. But anyhow, so this was like meeting uh, people from our surroundings. There are so many universities in Stockholm, actually. Mm. Uh, university for um, uh, the Royal Institute of Technology, KDH, Medical University Karolinska, Stockholm University, Södertörn Hogskola, and so on and so forth. Sorry, a musical um, music, what's it called? The mu- University for Music, University mm-hmm. for Armed Forces. Yeah. Uh, and so in, in our search for finding this, um, I was I also Googled Muslim scientist. So when I searched Muslim scientists, um, not to people's surprise, but what we found through Muslim, uh, by Googling Muslim scientists and then clicking on image was that the images, if, you, if any of your listeners do that now as well, you'll find that the scientists that we saw on those images were mostly men Mm-hmm. mostly um, turban-wearing, taube-wearing uh, men from a certain period of history, yeah, uh, which, which we call golden era. And we definitely uh, respect and acknowledge their, uh, their contributions to math and science, their inventions um, and the work they did. We definitely do that. But if you impartially just look at those images for a second on on the first page you'll see that they kind of represent a certain location geographical location like the Middle East or Western Africa um, dark-haired bearded uh, turban uh, wearing men from a certain background and ma- mostly uh, it seems like natural scientists like physicists or astronomers um, you know hard sciences uh, you will hardly find a woman from that age. Uh, If you go to another search engine like DuckDuckGo, you'll find, uh, you'll probably find a little bit um, a different information. You might find a few women, uh, for instance, I think from Far East, like Malaysia, or Indonesia, um, some pictures from uh, the US, for instance, but it still is a very homogenous kind of image that you get. Uh, Google gives you, I think, fifty three million hits if you if you Google Muslim scientists.
0: Wow! Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. If you just Google scientists, you'll find white male men.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was going to say there's a, there's a specific image that we have in our minds of what a scientist looks yes. like.
1: We, we did run, uh, like I I ran on my Instagram, for instance, a few stories about that, um, like who do you think is a scientist, right? Mm -hmm. In our our cultural memory in the the European continent or in this this, this industrialized world, for instance, if you only think about the the word scientist as well in the the present era, uh, we might uh, actually have a typical stereotypical image of a scientist, a white male, middle-aged, white lab coat wearing, yeah, uh, or having a microscope, whereas scientists come in all shapes and sizes. We have scientists who work in soft sciences. Uh, we have scientists who work in hard sciences as well. So this um, this curiosity uh, led us to think a bit further. So we searched for uh, common names like Muhammad in in the university uh, different universities web pages, and we found. Uh, that there were students and faculty. Uh, and that was kind of reassuring as well uh, because if you look at the general discourse within the Muslim communities where we live in Sweden, for instance, uh, the European um, continent or the Western world, but also generally the, the Muslim, Muslims wide, worldwide as well, there is this, um, this feeling that we are not good enough we are not good enough than the, the than the people from the past we are we not good scientists not good enough like the people from the from the golden era uh, the scientists like al jazani ibn al haytham al khawarizmi ibn sina but if you look at those images again you will see that we are stuck in that period of history it seems like there ha- nothing has happened in those one thousand years, which is not true. Mm. We don't look like those images at all. If you if you just scroll through our Muslim scientists page on Instagram and Facebook, we look very different from from that image as well.
0: Of course, yeah. And,
1: but there is this uh, expectation that, uh, or this imaginary community of Muslim scientists from that golden period, that they were uh, experts. Uh, within religious uh, studies mm. and um, science and technology and they were linguists um, which kind of makes them into um, an unachievable goal, unachievable idols. Uh, and that kind of creates um, distress in the younger community who feel that we are not good enough. Okay, if you're not good enough, Let's not be good enough. uh, Whereas if you you look at uh, different universities around the world from Muslim-majority countries, universities exist, right? Syria, Mm -hmm. Egypt, Jordan, uh, Turkey, uh, Indonesia, Malaysia, Pakistan, India, Bangladesh, Iran. These are just the countries which have Muslim-majorities. And the universities have been running for hundreds of years there. Yeah. There are scientists in those countries. And then we come back to our own country, Sweden, and the European continent. Uh, for now, we have interviewed about 58 in just one year 58 scientists, both men and women. So 29 men and 29 women.
0: Yeah.
1: We have yeah. linguists to literary scholars, chemists, biologists, political scientists, religious scholars, gender studies, you name it, different age groups, different. Uh, linguistic and ethnic and heritage uh, backgrounds, from Scottish Highlands to uh, to the plains of um, France, uh, from uh, north of Sweden to uh, Denmark. We have a variety of expertise uh, and people. I mean, this is our living history that we are um, we are following. We are uh, in a way we are um, creating history for the future. We are documenting the people who have uh, PhDs uh, who, so there are three criteria that we actually look at when we are interviewing people and our interviews are only text-based. We send them six questions. Uh, It's not a video or uh, audio podcast yet, or we don't have a website, but we are working on it. Mm -hmm. Um, So what we do is, as you see in our title, there are three words Muslim, scientists, and Europe. Yeah. So if the scientists themselves relate to the religion uh, of Islam or they don't have any objection to being connected to the, the faith, we do not go and ask them how mus- how, how your Muslimness <laughs> looks like in real life. Do you do this or not? Because that's not our business, right? Uh, so whatever or whoever or however you feel Muslim, that's our criteria. And uh, we do not have any political or um, religious connection to any uh, parties. It's a, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a group of people um, who are just uh, interested in documenting the different faces of Muslim science. So we are documenting in a way diversity in the European continent. Mm. continent and putting the face to the unnamed territory, which hasn't been actually labeled uh, like this before. So the word scientists also, we are kind of challenging what uh, is normally considered science. Uh, because when we send out interviews, uh, quest- interview questions, people ask science, but I'm, I'm a linguist, I'm a psychologist, I'm an econ- economist or uh, things like that. But we take science as uh, creating new knowledge in all the different fields. Because even within science, we do tend to have in our minds uh, the hierarchies of um, having the people in the medicine or technology at the upper level than social sciences and other fields. Uh, so we have, um, we are challenging that in a way as well. And the third part is Europe, whether you're born here or you're contributing in, in any European university, you have a PhD and you have some connection to Europe. So we we take that into consideration in a, as well.
0: So I want to yeah. know um, in, in doing this, you know, what's the goal? Like, why is it important to bring to the forefront the uh muslim scientists of today
1: so muslim scientists of today uh, the the aim is twofold one is to create uh, visuals on the internet challenging those preconceived crystallized notion about muslim scientists within our muslim communities yeah and another is to um motivate young people and to show uh, young people that there are people who have phds in in european continent and there are academics working in different fields at the universities so basically if you are a high school student and looking for inspiration for a profession or i mean you don't you do not have to do your phd but you can look up Uh, uh, different fields and uh, possibly our names and our faces and our interviews will pop up. It's kind of of, um, a career uh, inspiration. Mm -hmm. Uh, And what we have found mostly is that it has been an inspiration for our PhD academic colleagues. We have uh, kind of uh, bonded with people who we didn't know before uh, it's kind of um, a, a great mentoring opportunity for us. Uh, okay, how do you do that? How do you send in that application or how do you how do you uh, write um, a publication like that or a book proposal? Uh, and I'm sure there will be many, many collaborations within these 58 people, not just these 58 people who we have interviewed. Sorry, 55 people, the three of us are, the founders, so 55 mm. people with three of us as well, but I mean, there are so many opportunities. Our readers, there can be collaborations with them, uh, discussions. Uh, we're not saying that uh, a PhD is a, is a person only who has a knowledge of a certain type. There can be people who might be even more knowledgeable uh, outside of uh, a degree as well. And there are, of course, but we're just saying this is a way to uh, challenge um, the the very notions of the absence of Muslims in, in in Europe with competence and skills in the higher educational. Yeah, absolutely. Situation.
0: And I guess also, you know, and that's one of the things that I found also to be quite interesting is there's always a, like a there's always been a quite a popular idea that science and religion don't go hand in hand as well, you know, that science tries to disprove God or so, And like, but well, that's maybe one small percentage of scientists who potentially might be working on something like that. But there's so much more to science, as you said, you know, psychology, math, uh, finances, um, uh, language. Um, and, and it's, as you said, you know, contributing knowledge, you know, that we didn't have before. Um, but that's what I really thought was very interesting um, to maybe perhaps disprove that idea that many people might sit with.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's also in a way saying that you could be bringing your fajr and then you might be working on your, I don't know, astronomy project or you might even be running an astronomy project and there is no conflict in that. I mean, we're not saying that explicitly, but that's possible, and we know this as a people of faith. Um, but the thing is, the idea what's religion and what's religiosity is also kind of understood on a on a on a continuum. Uh, like people, might, I might think what's uh, being very religious. You might not consider that. You might say, no, that's not being religious at all. Or somebody might have another idea. So that's, I mean, that's kind of an, abs- I mean, the words, even religion and science, if you deconstruct them, that's, they're like kind of abstract words and might mean different things to different people. Yeah. So the project is also in a way saying that we are here and we are here to stay uh, and we've been here um, and, um, we we come in different shapes and sizes yeah we we contribute
0: to a lot more than what we're being given potentially credit for and i think that's one thing as well and and we spoke about that a little bit sort of like at uh when the first time we had a little chat you know and and you said you know it's like giving the the academic academic muslims you know that they're not their fame, but you know, the, the attention that they deserve because we'll give a, yeah. like a, a Muslim fashion blogger, you know, millions yeah. of followers <laughs> and views yeah. and, you know, and then we're we're sort of sometimes forgetting that, you know, to be, you know, a successful Muslim, you, 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 there's other ways of doing it as well that, you know, could look very different and we should also be mindful of the different yeah. directions we can go perhaps.
1: Yeah, you, I mean, that's what we talked about before as well, right? About fame. And so the thing is, like. Um, so I, I would like to talk a bit about that a bit more. Fame, I mean, fame can mean different things to different people, right? Uh, academics who have had their PhD for like, let's say, five years or 10 years, possibly uh, most of them are authors of article, scientific articles book chapters or chapters so they kind of have a um, fame within a small space of academia but not as popular as I don't know Madonna or Michael Jackson or yeah. uh, you know thinkers or actors that much so that was kind of also what we did discuss behind the scenes before starting this project why not us but really we are really sh- very shy kind of people so putting up Uh, our pictures that's what we found out through this project was also that many people said why because we asked for three pictures for three posts on Instagram and we have six questions where two questions go with each post and these people didn't really have many good pictures Um, (laughs) and we really wanted good pictures uh, because visuals are really important very important and, very important and within this muslim uh, internet space you'll see um, that the faces of academics were missing uh, we are really a good community when we when we want to support our muslim um, uh, men and women, if they are sportsmen, uh, uh, fashion bloggers. Uh, if you do a hijab blogging, um, have a hijab blogging website. You are a hero or a hero. Uh, if you are, if you're, co- if you're, if you're baking or cooking, then you are also supported. There are so many other um, uh, uh, professions and fields which probably get more uh, support from the Muslim community, but not this in, in the same way as a Muslim scientist would but that could possibly also be because um, we don't we do not um, I mean when we when I say we I, I don't mean everyone but generally social media is not a space we are we're trying to open up for us but this in a way puts up a few pictures and there are people who are trying to take that uh, social media space and do science communication which is also a field which is needed I mean if we if I just write a book and don't tell it to people outside my community nobody's going to know about it
0: yeah exactly
1: so in a in a way this is kind of uh, putting faces and fields and curiosity about uh, about um, What's the story behind behind those, uh, those uh, people? Yeah,
0: but I also, I I, I have to, because it's horrible of me because I, I seriously can't remember her full name. But I told you last time about the Danish uh, Muslim scientist who wears a hijab as well, Fatima Zahra something. And she's um, here in Denmark. She's come out a couple of times with these huge breakthroughs, scientific medic- medicinal breakthroughs. And I think it was so funny because one of the things is, I remember my dad shared an article about her on, uh, on Facebook that he'd found sort of um, in one of the national Danish newspapers. And I just remember thinking, wow, there's a female Muslim scientist who wears a hijab who's out there doing that. Right. And, and the, and the, the part of me now talking to you and knowing that what you're doing, there's a part of me that's like, wow, that was so ignorant of me. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, of course there's female Muslim scientists who wear hijabs who are out there, you know, paving the way and creating new, you know, valuable knowledge and technology and everything, you know, but I just, I, 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 I didn't know you know and i yeah. I, I don't and think I'm, I'm you know i don't think i'm in a minority here i think a lot of people just don't know because we don't see them or we don't yeah know about
1: them. and that's upon us to show i mean if we if we don't i mean it's it, it, it's kind of very unswedish to talk about yourself because mm-hmm. i mean it's, it's like kind the of feels like most well. yeah but i mean <laughs> we, we, we 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 are trying so it's 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 kind of like boasting if you keep on talking about yourself (laughs) but in a way it's in a good cause and you know I I had I personally had the same feeling when I found like oh there is a writer a Muslim writer who has written four novels and Mm. I mean people know him outside this Muslim community uh, outside Sweden but come on why don't young teenagers from Scandinavia know him like I don't know Maher Zain or yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sala, you know. Yeah. Um, and then there is another um, colleague of mine who has written hundred articles. And I mean, mm. nobody know. I mean, nobody knows. Like nobody um, kind of talks about him as hundred article writing hundred articles is a sensation. As if somebody created, you know, a chocolate fudge cake.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. not Maybe I mean, too different <laughs> I got to say a
0: chocolate fudge cake is very impressive these days especially now that I'm fast like yes,
1: yes, chocolate yeah, fudge yeah. cake. <laughs> yeah, I know, but you know like if if you talk about Ibn al-Haytham, okay? Mm. And you talk about him as um I'm, I'm not saying I'm not saying the two are same or similar, but I'm saying let's talk about the living uh, people in our communities and praise them for their work whatever they have done yeah I mean exactly. I, it's not it, necessarily
0: like, that like a fame thing I think for me no. like there can only be so many people who are famous and that's cool and whatever so it's not yeah. the same thing but I think it's the awareness and awareness creates a set like you know Especially as you said, you know, I think you sort of allured to it in the beginning is, you know, in the Western world, Muslims are not necessarily the favored child, you know, <laughs> we're not necessarily the ones who are. And so there are a lot of debates, a lot of conversations. And sometimes, you know, when there are a lot of people that you you know, you get a lot of criticism, it's always nice to be able to be like, but we are contributing and we're contributing oh, a lot, yes. you know, and having that knowledge makes it also easier not to automatically. Assume the victim role because clearly, oh, there are
1: definitely. No, no, no,
0: yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: I mean, the thing is like, okay, so we, um, so Muslims have been present in the in this continent in Austria to Bosnia to Germany for decades now. We are part and parcel of this society, and science is always collaborative. I mean, if you look at a reference list, I cannot stand alone without other scientists doing, so I have to build on another. Mm. And human society, generally speaking, is collaborative. I mean, if you just think about this mobile phone, uh, we don't, I don't personally know, I haven't Googled that, sorry, uh, who's the inventor of a mobile phone or the internet. Mm. There must be many Muslims, Christians, Jews, Hindus, Sikhs, people from all different religions, but definitely, definitely IT people are Muslims as well. Yeah. So we yeah. don't know the names of present day invention, uh, inventors, the air conditioner, the blessed thing in the deserts and the heat, right? The refrigerator. Mm-hmm. So there are people who have always been here. I mean, when you talked about Fatma Zahra, uh, I was also thinking about the people that we have discovered, for instance, uh, a, a researcher um, who uh, who is a Swedish researcher with Iranian background, and he has written 60 books. Yeah. I mean, That's just insane. imagine yeah. that. And, and we, you, you and I just talked about fame and um, he's as humble as uh, any regular person. And it's not a headline, uh, Masood wrote 60 books, you know what I mean? Maybe it should be, that is such it should, be, it should be, it should be, it should be, yes, <laughs> I mean, if, if Masood, <laughs> I don't know if Masood made a, um, a chocolate smoothie, a yummy chocolate smoothie, we would have appraised him, but let's do that, I mean, he is here, uh, there are many others like him, which we have discovered, like uh, there is another person who, from UK who is in his 70s and he has the British um, MBE, the the, British, um, uh, the the award from British uh, Empire or the, what's it called, MBE. I've forgotten mm-hmm. what the abbreviation stands no. for. <laughs> uh, and he is a sociologist, Tariq Madud, and his theoretical uh, writings are actually used at A-levels for sociology. Uh, I mean these are not tiny things these should be headlines this is what a social contribution looks like in real life
0: yeah absolutely and I I think also you know the I just remember the amount of times I've read something and then someone says oh the author is Muslim or something like that and and immediately and it's you know clearly I'm super biased I want to support my my people right but but, you know (laughs) immediately there's sort of like an element of like oh that makes it even more exciting, all of a sudden, to read it because there's an element of like, I can trust this person now. I can trust what they're bringing forward to, to, to another extent. Well, there is. I'm super biased. I I okay. I, I fully yeah, raise yeah. my I, hand. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I mean, it's it's not, uh, but 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 I I would have to disagree with you. I mean, it's I know. I mean, I also kind of sound like I'm supporting my people. Um, but it's more than that because the higher educational systems in the European continent and, and due to colonization are pretty much unequal the based on wide theoretical perspectives. Mm-hmm. They need decolonization. And we need not just people with PhDs in uh, STEM sciences, uh, but we need people who can challenge those perspectives. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, right? So it's not academics or people with PhD, but activists and lecturers out, outside the higher educational institutes as well. And that's why we need to push these faces a bit further because the system is biased. Yeah. So our yeah. kind of, uh, so I, I would, with, with your podcast, I would like to request everyone, Muslim or not, to uh, support our projects or follow and read these stories and um, share like not because of likes we don't care about likes or number of followers but it's to uh, as I said to make them famous to make their work famous to make them known Mm. uh, so that the younger generations um, young children from preschool let's say uh, brown black white yellow no matter what color or race or region they belong to they can see that I mean, how, how are we going to make an inclusive world in the future, unless and until we have uh, diverse, uh, inclusive narratives and stories and pictures? And that's important. It, it does work in a very implicit, subtle way. Um, and we need to, of course, um, keep uh, both men and women, uh, the faces of these men and women uh, visible and support them Uh, so that the world becomes a bit more equal in the future. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I 100% agree with you. Dr. Alia, we're coming up on time. Unfortunately... But um, I first of all, just want to thank you so much for coming onto the podcast and sharing um, all this knowledge. And, and, you know, I'm just, I'm, I, I, love I love what you're doing. I think it's really important. And I'm so excited about it as well, because, you know, I'm learning about it now as well. so um, But I want to give the listeners a chance to connect with you. So please um, share with, with the listeners, where can they find you? Where can they connect with you? How can they support your project?
1: Yeah so we are everywhere we are on instagram we are on uh twitter we are on facebook so uh, contact us through uh, these uh platforms uh, our uh twitter is Muslim Psy eu i can send you the links i'll put the uh, links in the show notes yeah. yes Uh, So uh, follow our Instagram, which is kind of our main disseminating uh, platform. And besides that, I have a request. So we are hunting for Muslim scientists, not for Elks. (laughs) So (laughs) the thing is, it's been hard for us to find them. Since they're hiding behind their laptops or in their labs or I don't know where, mm-hmm. uh, so there are many countries which we haven't covered. For instance, we haven't found many. Uh, we haven't found anybody from Spain. We haven't found anybody from Italy yet. A Muslim from Italy. Uh, we haven't actually interviewed anybody from Denmark as well. We might have sent. Uh, so we want names. Yeah. Send me. Or my colleagues, if you go to our Instagram page, DM us with your names. Make it a known movement. We want to be very inclusive. We want to interview uh, people from diverse um, ethnic and linguistic backgrounds mm-hmm. so that we uh, have all um, representations of Muslims. We haven't, for instance, found uh, any. Uh, we haven't. We haven't found, for instance, many uh, black. Uh, Muslims from uh, Sweden, Black Muslim academics from Sweden, and that's also saying something about uh, the lack of uh, representation researchers at a certain stage. Maybe there are, but there aren't many. Uh, so we, so these findings we must take into consideration uh, as parents, as teachers. How can we push uh, everyone to? Um, get access to educate higher education, and how can we motivate to um, motivate everyone to get education in 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 diverse fields if they like it yeah. or not?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So there you have it, dear listeners. Um, absolutely, if you know someone who's a Muslim scientist, who's um, got a PhD, um, who would be interested, feel free to go ahead and um, reach out. To them, it's on. Uh, I, I'm following them on Instagram. I'm going to share all the links that um, Dr. Halia has shared with us in the show notes. Reach out and share your suggestions. If even if you're one yourself, feel free to recommend yourself for an interview. <laughs> you know, uh, let's take some action on this very lovely actionable point. There, I'm loving it. Uh, and make sure you go and follow and support her work uh, to show that we are definitely all for that inclusivity all around, not just in fashion and in music and movies, but all also in the academic world as well, in the scientist world as well. MashaAllah, Dr. Alia, what you're doing is absolutely amazing. And uh, I can only say we're all very, very grateful for the work that you're doing. to khair for it. And thank, thank you so you. much for taking the time today to be on the podcast.
1: Thank you. And forgive me for discriminating the chocolate fudge cake.
0: Yeah, I mean I mean I'm s i am did take great, <laughs> I take great offense.
1: We are all chocolate lovers, to be yeah. honest.
0: <laughs> yeah, but we, we will forgive you one day. <laughs> one day,
1: okay. For your time. Maybe we'll bake bake a chocolate cake next time and show you on honey, YouTube. I'm
0: up for it anytime after Ramadan, you know.
1: Yeah. Okay, <laughs> thank you so much. It was a pleasure talking
0: to you. And to you. JazakAllah Assalamu alaikum.
1: Assalamu
0: alaikum. Thank you so much for listening in to today's episode. If you want to connect with me elsewhere, you can find the links to my socials on zarapedison.com. Before you go, I'd love it if you could leave me a review or tell a friend about the podcast. And if you're new here, you might as well subscribe. You'll be back. I know it. You know it. There's no point in delaying the commitment. Welcome to the sisterhood, babe. Until next time, please don't forget to
1: live in love.